Uh, it's time to talk some footy here on the program this afternoon. Round 14 already underway. A great game of footy took place last night at the Adelaide Oval. It was the power. Too strong in the end against the reigning premiers in Geelong. Winners by 38 points, 110 to 72, the final score. Joining us down the line this afternoon to break down the game and talk the latest in footy is former Geelong skipper Barry Stone. And Barry, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Nate. Thanks very much. Nice to, nice to chat. No, thank you very much for uh, for jumping on the show today, Barry. Now, uh, Geelong, they find themselves outside of the top eight, a loss to Port Adelaide, who is well and truly the hottest team in the competition right now. They've won 11 on the trot. Uh, what are your thoughts on last night's result and where the Cats find themselves now? Yeah, look, it was a big game, obviously, going into the before the round. Um, for both teams, but certainly Geelong, obviously, Port winning 10 in a row in great form and home ground advantage. But a big game for Geelong because they're sort of, as you say, they're right. They're on, on the brink, I suppose, of the eight. Needed a win probably last night and also next week against Melbourne. So, but what, what I saw of it, I, I, I sort of watched the majority. I, was, I think I said it before, I was out for dinner, but right in front of the TV watching it. They they really came out hard. The Cats are really impressive, to be honest with you. Really attacking, um, very confident. But then the third quarter um, was certainly a big one for, for, for Adelaide. And they just looked really strong across the whole ground for Adelaide in that second half in particular. They're, they're young midfield. The forwards are really uh, working, combining well. Uh, and the Cats, although they came back in the last, of course, and I thought, here we go, we're still a big chance here, but just weren't quite strong enough. And I, I think um, I think maybe, and it's not an excuse at all, but you know, they've had a few players out throughout the season so far. And, you know, when they said it's coming back in at different times, they've got to gel once again. But I just still think, obviously, Port Adelaide and Connor were the two leading clubs at the moment. 11 wins in a row. They're in great position for the for that Port Adelaide team. The Cats, yeah, they're... Um, a big one next week now against Melbourne to really mm. define the year. See how they go, if they make the eight or not, going forward. You know, they made a huge push last year and they were able to win the Premiership. All went so well. They won, I think it was 16 in a row, uh, including that grand mm. final. And they dominated Sydney. Now, when you look at them, are they getting a little slow? Are they age? Is their age starting to show a little? Oh, look, I'd never write them off, that's for sure. I mean, they've had a fantastic uh, number of years, like since probably, what, 2004 or five, the last 20-odd uh, years nearly. So I wouldn't write them off. I mean, last year, people wrote them off at the start of the season. As you said, they came good and had a fantastic win for the whole year. So, look, they, obviously, the, some of the older players, another year older, um, you know, that Joel Selwood's gone. So they've certainly got that sort of age within within the list. But there was some young players coming through. And, and I think... This sort of this year's been pretty good for the young guys. A number of the older players have been out injured for the majority of the first half of the season. So I think over time, having those young guys at the face of the pressure, uh, being the main focus um, of, of the other team, will be good for them. So we've got Santa like, Bruin and Ollie Henry, and these guys who've come into the team will be really good in the future. So I think there's still plenty of legs left in, in the club in the team. There's about like ten rounds to go. They've got probably six or seven in Geelong. I think next week, as I said earlier, they must win next week against mm. Melbourne down at Geelong. It's a Thursday night. Melbourne are playing really good footy at the same time. Get over Melbourne, and then we're back to sort of an even keel, and then probably have six or so games in Geelong uh, for, the, for the last nine games. It's really important with the home ground advantage. They haven't played in Geelong much this year due to sort of the refurbishment of the stand and so forth. 
So I think, yeah, look, the older players are still playing good footy. Just that sort of a bit of a lull, like Jeremy Cameron's a bit, been a bit flat the last two or three weeks. Yeah. So has Tommy. Gary Rowan popped up last night for a good first half of footy. So the, the, the older guys are still playing pretty well. I just think they need that sort of structure in place, like Segler didn't play last night. They need the Ruckman back in for for the next 10 weeks to have a really good, solid team to bounce back from. The young players, Brad Close and Tyson Stengel and these guys are still showing a lot of ability. So there's still a chance for sure to make the eight. How much do they miss Joel Selwood? Because he was a champion player, a champion leader uh, in so many ways on and off the field. And he is a significant loss. How much do they miss him? Oh, I think they'd miss him a lot. I mean, it's hard to, hard to quantify, really, isn't it? Because, as you say, he's on and off the field. Just, he was the, the culture of the football club, really, over 15-plus years. So it's hard to replace those sort of people quickly. Again, I mean, this is just some experienced players who've been there for a long period of time. And Paddy Dangerfield's an inspirational captain. Tom Hawkins, Mitch Duncan, Tom Stewart. I mean, they're really experienced and very, very high-caliber footballers and people. So they'd sort of try and, I suppose, take the slack from when Joel left. I mean, but you can't replace him because he was still playing good football as well. But again, um, time moves on and there's opportunity for someone else to come through. And I think, yeah, certainly Joel's, one of his real strengths over the years was when the Cats were down during a game, he'd lift them back up and he'd lead from the front and do some courageous things. And all of a sudden, we're back on track. So you miss that. But look, I think the other players were senior and, with a mid-level uh, experience-wise, uh, really filling the void. Last one on Geelong before we we touch on some other teams and, and look ahead mm. in the round. Now, there was a conversation on our breakfast program in the morning that I don't necessarily agree with, but it was an interesting conversation that they did have. They were suggesting that perhaps it's time for, for Chris Scott to move on, similar to a Dimmer Hardwick. Yeah. They've been around their clubs for a similar amount of time, and perhaps it is just time for a refresher, a new voice to come in. Not that, you know, Chris Scott isn't still at an elite level, but perhaps it is just mm. time for a refresher for the club. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, look, it's a pretty uh, premature call, I think. I mean, I think a lot of us forget that we won the premiership uh, less than 12 months ago. So he's been there for a long time for sure. His message is still getting through because they won the flag. Yeah, look, it's certainly, uh, it's, it's always hard, well, not that I've won one, but it's always hard for the following year to, to be the same standard you were the year before because every team you play against wants to be the premiers. So I think Chris Scott's certainly got the, he's got the knowledge, he's got the, he's got the support of the club. The only, the only reason he probably want to change is his own choice. Like, I mean, he might want to have a refresher in the next couple of years, but mm. gee, he's still a very, very highly, highly capable coach. Um, loves the club, I think. The players love him. So having all that around you and support around you, I couldn't see him changing yet, so that, that's that's my call, not not, not his. I mean, he certainly I don't know him well enough to actually understand what his thoughts are. But uh, yeah, Joe was premiership coach last year. You can't you can't argue with that. So I think you put the confidence still with him, and it's his choice down the track what he wants to do. But uh, yeah, I think the confidence is still there with the, with the football club. Uh, Brisbane Sydney tonight. Which way are you leaning for the game? Obviously, the Brisbane Lions are, are flying in twenty twenty three. It is taking place at the Gabba, so I'm guessing you'd probably be seeing it the way of the Lions. You'd think so. Yeah, I mean Brisbane. In Brisbane, are hard to beat, aren't they? I mean they're, they're certainly a top four team. Um, 
And probably in Brisbane, in Brisbane they're a top two team. So I'd say they go the way the Lions. I mean, Sydney's certainly a really competitive team, but they've been lost to St Kilda last week at home. I can't really see Brisbane actually uh, losing this one, to be honest. I think Brisbane quite comfortably. Yeah. Yeah, I would tend to agree. Uh, now, Barry, there's been a fair bit of talk uh, surrounding tackling uh, during mm. the week. Um, just earlier news today uh, did, did not uh, get overturned, so he will remain that uh, that three-week suspension. James Sisley yes. for his tackle. Now, he's uh, been suspended for three weeks, but he's looking to appeal, and I don't think they'll uh, come to a decision until maybe Monday or Tuesday. Um, yeah. what, what are your thoughts on where the game is heading uh, dangerous tackles, people are, are being suspended left, right and centre, it, it seems, you know, and, and you, there's no necessarily malice in it, but, no. um, you know, a lot of the times the outcome uh, means that, uh, well, there's a potential to, to get suspended. Yeah, it's a real it's a real tough one. It's a fine line in a way. I mean, you're right, there's no malice in the tackles and you know, obviously it's a, it's a contact sport and tackling's a big part of it. We're always taught when as a young young person, uh, to tackle, uh, look for hips and, and sort of put him into the ground in a fair way. I mean, the sling's always been sort of those, uh, been around, but it seems to be a bit more prevalent than ever before. And maybe because it's just the momentum of the players and the power and the speed they have from both the tackler and the person with the ball, that when the momentum's going their way and they swing them around, all of a sudden they hit the ground hard. So the concussion side is a really big pertinent point, of course, with the uh, a lot of people getting ill from concussion over the years. So that's got to be really looked at and the players looked after. I, I recall many, many years ago when we were playing, and Malcolm Blight was our coach, and he had a simple philosophy of tackling. He said, when you grab the, the, uh, the person with the ball, just drop to your knees straight away. So you drop to your knees, which means the player stops and the ball stops. So if you sling someone around, obviously the player goes down and sort of might hit his head. If secondly, the ball slings out and could go 20 metres the other way. So that was a simple philosophy. Is get the, when you tackle a guy, just drop straight down. And it wouldn't be that sort of damage of slinging people into the ground. So it's a really tough one. I mean, they've got to really look at each incident separately. Um, some of those incidents that I've seen, as you say, wasn't deliberate. Um, didn't even know they were really slinging that person into the ground until that person hit, the, hit their head or the shoulder into the, into the oval. So it's sort of... Um, I think it's case by case, uh, and they've got to look very, very closely for both the tackler and also those being tackled because it, it is dangerous, but again, it's sort of one of those things in footy. Yeah, yeah, it certainly is. Uh, now, Barry, lastly, before I, I do let you go, I just wanted to get your take on the two WA teams. Fremantle, they mm. uh, have, have seemingly redeemed themselves from what was a poor start to the season. They sit 6-6 six and six and have a pretty difficult challenge tomorrow against GWS away from home. And, well, the West Coast Eagles, they get a much-needed buy because, uh, well, I think it's fair to say they're a, they're a far cry from the team that, that you played back in the day. Um, what yeah. do you, what's your take on, on both the WA teams? Yeah, well, certainly the, the Eagles are staggering to me. I was talking to someone about it last night, just a friend of ours over dinner, and Obviously, the Eagles have been a powerhouse for many, many years. And in the 90s, where they beat us in two grand finals. They were like, well, obviously, we're like a state, a state team. They've had a lot of injuries, I know. But just, it's hard to work out um, how they're going so poorly, but other than the injuries, obviously. And probably the list is a bit older. But look, it is, it's, dare I say, it's a little bit sad to see uh, the next Geelong player got beaten twice in the grand final by the Eagles. 
because they are a powerhouse football club. And you want to see those clubs up about and playing good footy for their stakes. They're a proud footy club, successful. Um, you know, they need an, in, in, uh, an influx of, I suppose, some experienced players without being too old on the other side of their career to try and really regenerate, rejuvenate that, that, that list because um, you know, the older players are now obviously probably finished with quite a few of them who are probably some of their better players still, which is a bit of a concern. So I think that sort of that age bracket between 23 to 28 is a really important part of a team because they've still got five, six, seven, eight years to go. Um, plus the younger guys coming through, they can develop. So I need to look at that. But yeah, really, it really surprises me to see how you feel sorry for them the last couple of years with their COVID, with the injuries, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and hopefully it turns around for them uh, because, you know, you don't want to see a team down as bad as they are at the moment. The Fremantle Dockers, um, I watched that Geelong trio game a couple of weeks ago. They look, they look super quick when I watched that game. Um, they're looking pretty good, to be honest with you. I think they've got a really good, a lot of young talent coming through. They move the ball on very quickly. Got, they started a slow start to the season, but now they've come good. They're looking pretty confident. You know, and a big ruckman, of course, so Sean Darcy in the middle, uh, is really important to the team. So I think having those young guys in midfield coming through and the defence, they're looking pretty strong. Um, it's amazing how it's flipped around. Eagles are always a strong club, and three I went. You know, sort of done the about face. Yeah, that game against Geelong, clearly their best, I feel, uh, for Fremantle this season. Uh, Barry, it's been yeah. a pleasure uh, chatting on the show this afternoon. Thank you very much for taking the time. You've been very gracious with it, and uh, enjoy your weekend. Thanks very much. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you. There he goes, Barry Stoneham, former Geelong skipper. A pleasure having him on the program this afternoon.